Christian greetings this evening. It's a privilege to be here with you. This is a, uh, for this weekend, it's a matter of choosing your own bishop here. <clears throat> I'd like to have you turn with me to uh, the first, first Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to read, planning on reading from verse 12 to verse 28. The title of the message, if you've looked at your program, is uh, Brethren, Pray for Us. And uh, it's kind of a unique title, I guess. I thought about this, my mind went to Second Corinthians, or Second Chronicles, verse, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. It says, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. <clears throat> That's an Old Testament scripture, but I believe it's very, um, very pertinent in our day. So I'd like to read now from uh, 1 Thessalonians, I guess, when I uh, think, I think the, the burden for this, um, for this message was, was to look at the... Um, Responsibilities of the congregation. Now, we had a message last evening on qualifications for leadership, things you would, uh, you would look for, Bible, Bible principles that need to, be, need to be embraced, need to be part of a, of a life. And, um, <clears throat> but this evening, we're, we're looking more, shifting the focus a bit, to your part um, as, a, as a laity. And I think there's a lot of people that um, don't have that vision. They don't uh, recognize their responsibility in making the church work and, and fulfill what God had, has in mind for the church. I'd like to read now from uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all, the, and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you, quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophecies. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace shall satisfy you holy, shall sanctify you holy. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, <clears throat> pray for us. Greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So there's a number of things there that are, are as we would look at this, this passage of Scripture, we see that this is, this is a, a message to the church, a message to the, the lay brethren. And there's a number of things that are, that are mentioned, but I think it's interesting to, to notice that twice in this Scripture it talks about praying. Verse 17 it says, Pray without ceasing. And then in um, verse 25, it says, pray for us. You know, that's a very short verse, pray for us. You know, the shortest verse in the Bible is but two words, Jesus wept. Well, this verse is, is real close to that. It's, it's three words. 
or actually four words, brethren, pray for us. But I believe these words are, these words carry a lot of meaning. And it says something about the leadership as well as the laity. And we see, uh, we, I believe there was a spirit of need, there was a spirit of humility there. And, and Brother Ralph talked about Moses and how he, he um, I've thought of that story of Moses many times, how that, uh, you know, he had everything going for him, and then he finally ended up there in the, in the wilderness. And uh, by the time he had that encounter with the burning bush, he was done with this idea of leadership. He had tried that. It didn't work. And all he wanted to do was spend the rest of his life tending sheep in the wilderness. But God had other plans for him. So I'm very thankful this evening for the power of prayer. Um, I'm thankful for that. And I believe in the power of prayer. And I've, I, I feel I've experienced that different times. The uh, Scripture says in James 5, verse 16, it says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. <clears throat> That's, that says a lot. You know, you're looking at, as a congregation, you're at a, uh, I think Steve talked about that yesterday, you know, these, these events, these historical events, and this is a historical event for your congregation. And with that event, there'll be a change, uh, and uh, things aren't going to be quite the same as they were. And that, oftentimes, people are unsettled about that. Oftentimes, people fear the unknown. They fear the future. They fear fear the idea of change. And we know that a lot of times, change is not good, but uh, yet there is change that, that is good and necessary and brings a blessing. We often said that in ordinations. I think that was already referred to last evening by one of the brethren, how that um, there's people, oftentimes there's, there's this fear. And I have experienced that, even in ordinations that I have been in a part of. You kind of wonder, you know, how, how is God going to move? What's going to happen? And yet we know that time does not stand still. Time goes forward. And with that comes change, change in leadership. Someone has said, a poet has said, the young may die and the old must die. And so one generation passes on. So ordinations are very, very necessary. And I believe there are times in a congregation where a congregation, for one reason or another, is not really ready for an ordination. And it would not be wise to move ahead with an ordination. I know, I'm sure that has happened and does happen. But I believe uh, too often I have seen congregations that, it seemed to me at least, would hold back because of fear. They were afraid. They weren't trustful. And the scripture comes to mind at what Timothy wrote to, um, or what Paul wrote to Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love of a sound mind. And I'm sure Satan... Satan is very interested in, these, in, in, in this event. Um, Satan wants to stir up trouble. Satan wants to uh, destroy the work of the church. And we don't want to let that happen. <clears throat> this scripture that I read from the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles um, starts with the word if. Very small word, two letters, I-F. Two letters of the alphabet put together, If. But you know, that is a powerful word. That, that, that carries powerful meanings. He, he said, if you do this, if you humble yourself, if you pray, if you call my now and my name and seek my face and turn away from your wicked ways, if you do that, then there's going to be a blessing. I'll hear from heaven. God will hear you. God will hear the church. He will bring forgiveness. He will bring healing. <clears throat> you know, many of 
many of the promises of God. And we, we, we uh, very much have, we love the promises of God. We, 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 um, they mean a lot to us. But nearly all those promises are conditional. There's that if, if we do our part. Now, there's some, I think there's some of God's promises that uh, are not conditional. As I would understand it, God has said he will not destroy the earth with a flood again. I believe that, that's settled. That will, that's the way it is. And there's probably a few more things like that. But a lot of the, the promises of God that we live with, the promises of God that we embrace, there is conditions. And we want to recognize that. If my people, a big word, but it also has or a little word with big meanings, conditions. <clears throat> now, he says here in that scripture, he talks about my people. And uh, he's not talking, he's not addressing the people of the world. He's not do- addressing the uh, ungodly people, the ungodly civilizations. He was talking to his chosen people. And uh, he's talking about people that are part of the church, the mothers, the fathers, the young people, those young married couples that are, are starting the, in, embarking on, on raising children, and that's a blessing to see that. And uh, <clears throat> there's so much at stake in that. <clears throat> so the title this evening is Brethren, Pray for Us. It's also repeated in Second Thessalonians 5, verse um, or. 1 Thessalonians 5.25, as well as here in, or I'm sorry, I said it wrong. In 2 Thessalonians, we have the same admonition for prayer, the same uh, desire for prayer. <clears throat> this, this was a church. They were like all the churches that Paul wrote to, that all churches that have existed down through time. These were people with problems. They had problems in their midst. Things were not perfect. They were not the perfect church. They they were they lived in a wicked world like just like we live today and there's along with that wickedness there's influence and that that influence is pressing in upon us and it it affects us sometimes they 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 dealt with false doctrines they had some wrong concepts they had a problem with idleness they were not a perfect people and yet Paul said brethren pray for us pray for us we are in leadership we need your prayers for the church to function right there needs to be prayer. You know, I think there's such a thing as a prayer. There's a lot of prayers that are said. But I believe there's a spirit of prayer. And I believe the scripture here that uh, in verse um, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. So how do you understand that? How can we, how can, realistically, in the, in the real world, how do we pray without ceasing? <clears throat> well, I think what that, I would understand it to be a, in a spirit of prayer that when something comes up unexpectedly in your life, in your daily routine, and Something happens that, uh, you know, kind of uh, catches you unawares. When you're in that spirit of prayer, when you're living in that spirit of prayer, your, your mind turns towards God. What, what does God want in this? And how, that's the way it should be. Sometimes we fail in that. <clears throat> the spirit of prayer. Prayer can be shallow. Prayer can be hypocritical. It can be routine. There's nothing wrong with routine, but if it becomes just a routine, uh, Paul was... Paul sensed he needed something more than that. He needed, he needed prayer. You know, many preachers today in the world you read about, you hear about, you see, they, plead, they, they ask for money. They, uh, in these, many of the worldly churches, there's a push for money. 
They value, seemingly value that much more than prayer. <clears throat> they tell people, make promises to people that if they pay money, if they send, send in money, that the great things will happen. Well, Paul didn't do that. He was a man of God. He asked for something more powerful than money. He asked for prayer. <clears throat> and I think, in a, in a, again, as we think of leadership, church leadership, there's a very different criteria than what the world looks for leadership. Um, the leadership of the world is, is uh, based on a very different foundation than leadership in the church of Christ. And I believe that's so critical to find, find your way in that. So we want to look now, <clears throat> maybe dig into this just a little bit more, a little deeper. Uh, and so as I was thinking about this matter of prayer, I believe there's different things that a praying person or a praying church, we'll just say a praying church, uh, what identifies your church as a praying church? As a church that is meeting this, this request that was given to the Thessalonians. I believe it, we see in verse 12, it talks about knowing. It's, it begins with, know them, which labor among you. <clears throat> you know, I know a lot of people in Oregon and other places too. I, I know them. Maybe I don't see them for many years, but I still know them. And, uh, and um, I know people that in the community. I know where they work. I know who they're married to. I know their children. I know their grandchildren even in a few cases i can i can remember their great grandchildren uh, great grandparents i know the pickup they drive i, I know quite a bit about them actually <clears throat> but with mo- a lot of those people i don't know them i don't know their what's going on in their heart we say we uh, talk to each other a little bit and uh, but we don't really know them and this knowing here has a deeper meaning it's, more, it's much more than this that casual acquaintance we have with people. And uh, this, is, this is speaking to the church to know them who, which labor among you. It's talking about your leadership. And you know, in many churches today, in our own circles, there's a, there's a very unhealthy, there, there's, a, there's, a, um, there's relationships that exist between laity and, and the leadership and the ministry that, that is unhealthy. It's, there, there's a certain, there's fear there. Maybe fear on the part of the laity. Maybe distrust on the part of the ministry. And I don't, you know, there's very unfortunate things that happen sometimes. And I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying one is always, the leaders is always right. Leaders do make mistakes. I know that. But as we think about the matter of knowing, you know, there's, there's a lot of uh, expectations that are put on leadership. And, and I think that's right. I think that's what the Bible would teach. But you know, they're expected to keep their finger on the spiritual pulse of the congregation. They're expected to feed the flock, prepare a message, something meaningful. They're expected to take an interest in the young people and, and um, you know, uh, a lot of other things they're supposed to do. To visit the sick, they're supposed to be wise. When people come to them for advice, they're, they're expected to be wise. These are expectations. <clears throat> but Paul says to the laity, know them which labor among you. And that's, that's, um, that doesn't always come easy. How do you go about doing that? If you don't know your leader now, how, how do you start tomorrow morning? How do, you, how do you put this thing into action that you can, you can now know him? 
Well, that's, that can be kind of a complicated question, but I, I think when you have the spirit of prayer, there's humility. And like we heard this evening about Moses, Moses couldn't accomplish anything in God's plan without that humility. And when you as a, a person, a mother, a father, a young person, you know, you, you have that humility. And it's very difficult for leaders to work with people that don't have that humility, that have a, 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 the wrong spirit. Know them which labor among you. And this isn't given as a suggestion. He doesn't say here, it's, you know, it's nice if you know your leaders. It's nice if you do that. He simply says that's a responsibility. I believe that's what a praying church does, a praying person. It also has the word esteem here, and I think that goes along with a praying church, a church that is in the, lives in the spirit of prayer. It says to esteem them, and it, it kind of qualifies that a little bit. It says that they're to be esteemed highly for their work's sake. There's a spiritual effort. There's a spiritual uh, dynamics that are happening here, and, and you should understand that. You should value that, not... Uh, when they do make mistakes, as, as are, does happen, that you're careful the way you, you deal with them. You want, to be, you want the leaders to be careful with you, with your young people. But you need to be careful on your side too. Um, sometimes I think there's a feeling that, uh, you know, we want to be pretty careful. We don't show too much appreciation or too much esteem because they might get proud. And we want, to, we want to guard against their pride. And that's sort of the process, maybe, that goes through our minds. We, we want to be kind of reserved. And I think there's, I get uncomfortable. It doesn't happen often, but I don't get gushed over very often. But when I, when I sense that a little bit, I, I don't like it. I don't, I think that can be felt. Um, a leader is in not the position to demand esteem from his people who say he needs to earn it. Well, that's probably true to some extent. But uh, <clears throat> the Bible tells us, I forget which verse it is, it says, uh, talks about in honor preferring one another. I can't remember now just where that's found. But in honor preferring one another. Now that word honor, if you look that up, actually means value. It has the idea of valuing. When you really esteem something, you have a possession or your companion, something like that, you value that. And so <clears throat> when we prefer one another and honor preferring one another, that means we value that person. We value their work. We recognize they're human. Scripture says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Um, spiritual wickedness in high places. I think of that a lot these days when I hear what's going on in the world and the government and things like that. It's kind of, do we really pray for these leaders? Well, the Bible says we should. Maybe it's a little hard sometimes to get our mind around that. We should pray for them. We have the story again in the Old Testament in Acts, or I'm sorry, in Exodus 17, the story of Moses. Now this is years later, and Moses was on a mountain, and the people of God were warring. They were wrestling against the, there was a conflict between them and the children of Amalek. And Amalek is a representative, it represents sin. 
And uh, so these people were struggling, fighting against this, this battle. And Moses, when he would raise his hands, the people of God would, would prevail. And, um, but then, you know, you can't do that about so long. Your arms, you're, you know, you, you can't hold your hands up forever. And his hands grew heavy and he couldn't do it anymore. And then when that would happen, the tide would turn. And so we have that picture there of Moses, of Aaron and Hur. They could have sat there and said, well, you know, there he is again. I didn't think he was a leader. Look at him. Look at his hands are down. Now look what's happening. They didn't do that. They stepped up and they held up his hands and the battle was won. The battle, the battle against sin. You know, it'll never end until, until the world ends. Our ancestors, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, clear down through time, they struggled, they fought this battle with sin. And we struggle with it, and our children are going to struggle with it, or are struggling with it. And it'll continue until the end of time. Satan will never give up. But Moses, with the aid of Aaron and her, he was able to hold his hands, and the battle was won. <clears throat> Hebrews 12, 12, Wherefore lift up the hands that hang down and the feeble knees. And if I know, if, probably most of you here this evening, if you're a father, if you're a mother, certainly if you're a leader, uh, even young people, there's times when our hands hang down. There's times when we, our knees just want to give way. We, we, don't, we don't hardly know what to do. But we need to lift up those hands. And a praying church does that for us. I believe another thing here I see is that a praying church invests in peace. Peace is important to a praying church. It's, it's, it's very important to the spiritual health of a congregation. Now there's this, this, there's this concept we struggle with sometimes. And that peace is not compromise. Peace is not putting up with evil. Peace is not uh, refusing to deal with disobedience. That's not what peace is. That's not the, a godly peace. So we recognize that side of it. But I think sometimes we forget that. He says here, and be at peace among yourselves, verse 13. Very important. He talked about esteeming very highly, and be at peace among yourselves. I don't think, I don't think a, um, the leadership should be referees. One scripture I've thought of different times, James 3, verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness. You live in a very fruitful valley. You have a lot of fruit stands, and people desire that fruit, and they come from miles around to buy that fruit. It's valuable. They love it. it it's healthy. It does something for them. And this is talking about the fruit of righteousness. It's very valuable. It's sown in peace of them that make peace. Is peace important to us? Stumbled across something the other day, and I kind of I knew this, but I hadn't thought about it for a long time. But uh, Colt Firearms is a company that's been making guns for a long time. I think the company is well over 150 years old. But one of their most popular guns years ago was the Colt Peacemaker, and it was a revolver that held I don't know probably six six bullets I suppose I'm not sure, but um, it was called the Peacemaker. This gun made peace. And uh, if you understand that, you know, when, a, when you're in a tangle with somebody and the gun would go off, one of you would be on the ground and, there, and there'd be peace. And is that our concept of peace? 
I think too often, maybe it is that way a little bit. Recently, I, I know of a case here where two sisters in the church became very much at odds with each other. And it was, it was getting pretty bad. And it was really interesting that um, in the course of time, there were sides taken. And these people that were taking the sides would come to the ministry and say, you know, that, that person, it's time the church stepped in. It's time the church dealt with that person. Both sides were saying the same thing. And, you know, we just kind of scratched our heads, the irony of it all. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 3, verse 11. Finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace shall be with you. Live in peace. Be the, be the kind of person that is just a... a a peaceful type of person. I was trying to think of, a, we recently in our Sunday school, uh, we're in Proverbs there in the, the last chapter, it talks about a virtuous woman. I think it says like this, in her, in her mouth there is a law of kindness. The law of kindness is in her mouth, the things she says. A praying church is also a thankful church. We see that in uh, verse 18. Um, <clears throat> and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. You know, I, I've noticed already, I think we especially see it in young people, but I, I think we all grapple with it. We want to know the will of God. What's the will of God for my life? I have a lot of decisions to make. Life Decisions that will have impact for many years, and, and we recognize that. Well, this says one thing that maybe you were missing. If you're dissatisfied, a little disgruntled about things and unhappy about things, and, and why doesn't God tell me? It says, live in peace, and the God of peace shall be with you. You see what it's saying there? A thankful church. Um, I kind of digressed there a little bit. Um, are, you, are you a thankful person? Um, sometimes we talk about people that we say they have a bellyache, and that's sort of a play on words there. We know when, when we really have a bellyache, an actual bellyache, you know, that's, that's uncomfortable, and, and we, uh, we want to have some relief. And there's, there's people that um, kind of are spiritually that way. They, they always have a bellyache. Things are never quite right. Things aren't handled right. People aren't treating me right. People talk about me um, they're not thankful, <clears throat> not thankful the way they should be. Colossians 4, verse 2, continue in prayer. Again, we see the prayer. And watch in the same with thanksgiving. We're to continue in prayer. You know, Jesus talked about the woman that went before the, this persistent woman that went before the judge. And, you know, I, there's some things about that I don't quite understand, you know, but I don't have to understand it all, but this, this judge, he was not a godly man. But this woman, was, she persisted in prayer, and, uh, or, or in her appeal, rather. And Jesus used that for an example um, to persist. Prayer is a work. I thought about that more as time goes on. You know, the work of prayer, there's something about... There's something about the persistence of our prayer. We might pray for years. And I remember an old lady many, many years ago when I was in my teenage years. 
And uh, she had a granddaughter about my age, pretty close to my age, and this, this daughter went out in the world, just got in a terrible life of sin. And she told me when I was young, I remember her telling me that she was praying for her, and, and somehow she believed that she would eventually come back. And I thought, well, we'll see. I was pretty doubtful of it, and it took many, many years, but eventually she did. Eventually she did come back and was reunited with the church. <clears throat> so let's be, let's be persistent in our prayers. I believe also we have in verse 21, it says, um, and there's actually a lot more things here that I'm, I'm going to have to pass over, but it says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Hang on to it. Hold fast to the good things. And to prove all things. What does that mean? To prove things. <clears throat> if you have children, sometimes they get in little arguments. And uh, older people can do this too. But uh, I'll prove it to you. I'm right and I'm going to prove it to you. Is that what this means here? It means there's a difference of opinion. And then one tries to prove they're right and the other is wrong. In the judicial system, at least... That's the way it's supposed to be. A person is presumed innocent until they're proven guilty. But this proving here means something a little different than that. It's not just a marshalling of facts to prove somebody's wrong. Um, it has the, the, the idea there of testing, testing things. Uh, you know, in our world today, the scientists, they do a lot of testing. They test, I don't know, you know what they do. They, there's all kinds of testings they do to uh, Make sure a product is safe. Make sure it will do what they say it will do. And you, you cannot test, if a scientist cannot test things in a detached manner, he has to be focused. He has to, he has to be concerned and interested in what he's doing. And so as a church, you know, there's people that don't involve themselves. They don't, they don't uh, think they need to um, get that much involved. But ordinations, as well as most of the other work of the church, is not a spectator sport. It's not something that you go to a ball game and you watch them play and you're just a spectator. You need to be involved. You need to be involved in that. And this evening, <clears throat> you will be asked if, if the Lord has spoken to you in any way to give, a, to give a name. I think Steve talked about that some last evening. And I find it troubling sometimes when... Uh, I've been involved in that when uh, it seemed like there's an inordinate amount of people that don't have a name. And you wonder why. You wonder why that is. And I think part of it is um, maybe they give a name and then that name isn't chosen. And they wonder, well, maybe God, maybe I don't have a connection with God. Maybe God doesn't, doesn't speak to me and I just imagined it. Well, I would say don't, don't feel that way. God has his ways. God has his means. <clears throat> and again, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. That idea of free course, you know, it just, it can work. It, it flows freely through the congregation and he is glorified. And prayer is a very vital part of that. May the Lord add his blessing. <clears throat>